Hello, podcast listeners. Welcome to Mindset Matters, the official podcast of Oregon Realtors, where we dive deep into the secrets of top performing agents, market trends, strategies, tips, and tricks that will transform and elevate your real estate career to new heights. Follow or subscribe today and stay tuned for a podcast that's not just about real estate. It's about mastering the mindset for success. Today, we are very fortunate to have with us 2021 Oregon Realtors President Drew Coleman. Drew is one of Oregon's most decorated real estate brokers, being named a Riz Media 2023 Real Estate Newsmaker, 2022 Oregon Realtor Realtor of the Year, that's a mouthful, Mm -hmm. and the 2021 Rate My Agent U.S. Agent of the Year for the Western Region. His brokerage, Opt, has closed nearly a half a billion dollars in sales since he founded it in January of 2022. Along the way, Drew has established himself as a critical member of industry organizations at the local, state, and even national levels. Having served as the 2019 president of the Portland Metropolitan Association of Realtors and graduate of the 2020 National Association of Realtors Leadership Academy, which of course is a very elite class of just 18 members. And currently Drew is the vice chair of the NAR RPAC Trustees Fundraising Committee. While he's not working, you'll find Drew on the basketball court announcing his kids' sporting events, grooving to some 90s hip hop, (laughs) or touring the open road in the family's RV like Wally's World. Oh, it's Wally's World. Yeah. All right, Drew, welcome. Thank to you. Pleasure today. to be here. So before we dive into, well, I have known you for a long time and you are an expert in a lot of areas. I think branding is one of your specialties. Oh, thank you. But I would like, could you share with our listeners your leadership, tra- well, your career trajectory, where sure. you, how you started in the biz, how you ended up owning a brokerage and all, all the excitement in between? Yeah, absolutely. I, I think real estate Definitely came naturally for me, but I didn't realize it was going to be such a good fit until I really got into it. Like many kids, I went to college not knowing what I was going to do, trying to you know, get a degree in basketball and girls does not really pay the bills in adulthood. However, um, found business management and found business as a passion where I could continue to, I think, compete and competing with myself and trying to be better all the time. So you started in real estate right after college? I sure did. So I was I I was a senior class president at college and oh, yeah. Smarty. Smarty pants. Leadership not, skills were there right from the nearly, beginning. It's, no, it's not nearly as uh, as inspiring as it sounds. But we had I had a leadership advisor, Scott Wade. And I'm like, he's like, What do you do after school? I'm like, I don't I have no idea. His wife worked for the uh, Portland Metropolitan Association of Realtors at the time and she's like, You know what? I know a top agent, real estate agent of which I knew nothing, Bob Lau, he needs someone to work as part of his team. And so uh, she brokered a meeting. I sat down with Bob and he had me do a typing test and all these little tests. He was very, very organized and got the job. So graduated on a Friday. It was a three-day weekend. I can't remember. I guess it would have been, what's the one in May? Is that Memorial Day or Labor Memorial Day? And then started on Tuesday and been in the business ever since. What year was that? This was the year 2001. (laughs) Yeah. Wow! Yeah. But who's counting? Then what? Uh, well, I Bob was Bob was way ahead of his time in a lot of ways. Um, he had built systems and he treated real estate business like a business. Well, um, what does that mean? It means that you don't fly by the seat of your pants in everything that you do. It means that you have a system and a process that you can repeat and provide services and value uh, 
a lot of real estate people have big personalities. And I think you and I have plenty of personality as well, Jenny. But what Bob taught me is that's that's not the difference between good and excellent and or elite. What the difference between good, excellent, or elite is having processes, working on it, getting better, doing the little things well, um, being able to say what you're going to do, do it, and then tell them that you did it every time. So what I'm gathering is that you learned a lot from Bob in the beginning of your career. Can you talk about some of those systems that you learned from him that have carried over into yeah. your own? Yeah, and some of them world? sound really basic. I think the idea that you needed to have systems was the most important concept, although it sounds very ethereal. However, I mean, Bob was one of the first people that was methodical about using a CRM and one of the first people who really had, I mean, it was assistance at the time was the term. My first business card said Andrew Coleman, because that's my legal name. Everyone was, <laughs> and it said unlicensed assistant to Bob Lau. So I started, I did not start with an executive level title, uh, as many think they should coming out of school these days. I started as far down as you can, but uh, using a CRM, uh, communicating with the clients. Anytime an ad would run, a lot of newspaper ads at that time, Bob would send a copy to it saying, hey, we've run an advertisement in the Oregonian of your property. Here you go. We put it online. Here you go. He'd let people know what the work that he was doing, how he was actually actively working on their business uh, rather than just doing the three Ps that a lot of brokers do, which is put it in the yard, put it in the MLS and pray that it sells, which is not really a marketing strategy. So it sounds like Bob hammered home the importance of consistency in whatever systems and processes you use. hundred percent. Okay. Absolutely. So what, when you think back to the training and everything you learned working with Bob, what's the number one takeaway? I mean, I know having systems and processes in place, but which particular one has, do you feel has benefited you the most in your career to well, date? Uh, which specific process? Yes. Well, a lot of it's changed. I mean, we used to come back in on a Monday and check for offers on the fax machine and see what voicemails were left over the weekend, right? This is before cell phones and texts and everything else. So I think it's more the concept, to be honest with you. I mean, we've, you know, for then it was an Oregonian ad. Now it might be a, a Zillow premier placement or uh, Zillow featured listings ad. But the, the concept of communicating with clients and I think doing more than the minimum and showing and communicating actively with clients every day, I think it was if you ever have a client ask you what's next, you failed in doing your job in a good way because ninja selling talks about there's an uncertainty on both the buyer and seller side, which is, you know, they have different one paying their agent too much, not finding the right house, depending on if they're a buyer or seller. But one thing that's consistent on both buyer and seller's list of worries is the process. So if you can waylay their fears, talk them through the process, let them always know what's going to happen next. Jenny, we've recorded this podcast. Now I'm going to go back and we're going to be in cut and editing and post and you'll be seeing it in about three weeks. When you give people that, it lets their guard down and they feel like they have a professional in control of their process. And that's super important to them. So information. Yeah, information and letting people feel like they know what's going to happen next. Nothing is floating out there waiting for something. No surprises. No surprises. At least ones you can anticipate. Correct. There's always going to be things that come yeah, up. Absolutely. Right, right. Yeah. Okay. So how long were you with Bob? Then what? Gosh, number of years, three, four, uh, and Bob and his wife, Debbie, and Debbie was uh, working too. She's, I mean, she's, they're both just phenomenal. I fell backwards into the, about the best situation you possibly can. But Debbie is one of those people who knows everybody, just a gregarious 
lovely kind of brilliant person. So she was able to make a ton of connections and Bob was able to execute the work. It was, uh, it was a beautiful kind of marriage and business partnership. So I was with them for probably three, four years and then became an agent on my own, um, in you know, 2005 ish. So, um, and then grew from there and kind of standard. You'd... So becoming an agent on your own, mm -hmm. were you the Drew Coleman team in 2005 or? I did start doing some branding. Now, of course, it seems like everyone and their brother gets their license and has a team and wants to build a, build a, a business underneath them at this point. And yeah. I think it's important to establish yourself and really know what you're doing to do that well. Um, I did hire an assistant pretty early on, um, which was very beneficial because I'm a, I tend to be good at big ideas and moving the needle in a big way, but I'm not going to, I'm not an eye daughter or tea crosser, but that's why I've surrounded myself with people who are phenomenal at that. So how long, when you left the Lao team, yeah. went on your own yeah. before you officially, I know you've worked under a brokerage for a number of years, yeah. but how long did it take for you to build a team? Well, it depends, so, it depends yeah. on what you define as a team. I mean, a year or two with an assistant, a year or two with a buyer's agent, uh, another buyer's agent, and then you start, you know, then all of a sudden you've got a listing agent and you got more and more agents. But we really let the level of business that we were doing dictate the growth. We weren't like, oh, we're going to hire this person to grow. It was more, holy cow, we've got more people than we can handle. We were fortunate to be chosen and honored by so many clients that wanted to work with us that it's like, we need someone else to help service that. And we did that for a number so of years. So what did you do to build your business to that level? How'd you get there? Aside from systems, yeah, be, prospecting beca what, what? Be becoming elite, serving people in an elite way, uh, going above and beyond. I mean, it's all the old cliches. Um, I think I was able to solve problems at a higher level than many. Um, so that was helpful. We got into a sticky situation, obviously, uh, that happens often in real estate. I could often come up with a solution that was not by the book, but I could see it in different ways. So that was a so customer service, customer service That's at a great level. Solving. Absolutely. And treating the clients yeah. like, uh, you know, we have at opt jumping ahead. We have five core values, which is attitude of gratitude, do the right thing, delight the client, passion for innovation and growth and work hard. And so trying to do those five things, if you do, it becomes magical. And we try to our goal and our North Star is trying to provide a perfect real estate experience for people. And why it's our North Star is you never land it perfect, but if perfect is your goal, you're going to land in a pretty elite spot most of the time. Tell me about Opt Brokerage. Opt Real Estate. Okay. We're going to scratch that. All right. You can start whatever. You can say, tell me about Opt. What's that? After you left the Hassan Company, yeah. you decided to open your own brokerage. What led to that decision? And tell me about your new yeah. company. Yeah. Uh, well, I mean, I was so fortunate to be at the Hassan Company for so long. And I mean, two of my dearest friends in life, Mike Hassan and Lene Forbes. And um, I had talked to Mike. We walked a lot in the mornings and he gave me so much great advice. And they built a company that really was beyond reproach. And uh, he gave me a lot of advice. And when he passed, I felt like the timing is right for uh, us to do that. And really, it's not, um, I don't know, it's just I was so inspired by what they did. And then Lene Forbes is just, uh, you know, I hold her in the highest regard and what she taught us. Um, we just tried to emulate and add some of our own special sauce to it. And that led 
to opt in January of 2022. Oh, and you're growing. And... Yeah, we started with, you know, our team, uh, which was the Drew Coleman team rolled out and uh, became opt real estate. And people like or hate the word opt, but they always remember it because it's short and sweet. And it's like, I hate it or I love it, but you remember it. And yeah. that's uh, a lot of branding, which we'll get into later yes. is memorability. Um, so that's what, before we get into the importance of a brand, yeah. because for you, it seems it started way before yeah. you opened up. Let's talk about your leadership journey. Why did you decide to pursue volunteer leadership opportunities? That's a great question. And what's your philosophies? Well, my philosophy is, philosophy? I mean, I guess it would, it would start with, I feel like real estate gave so much and gives it's just, it's the most wonderful business in the world. And it's been under attack, which makes me get my cackles up and I want to defend it. Uh, and that was part of the journey as well is who else gets to sell something that when you look at a watershed moment in people's lives uh, can move the needle in their life, whether it be financially or stability or safety of the home or outcomes for children, what home ownership does. We're not selling snake oil. We're not selling vitamins that no one knows if they really work, but you take them anyway. We're selling home ownership and the work that we do at Oregon Realtors, at Portland Metropolitan Association of Realtors, at National Association of Realtors is it's selfless. Uh, I don't know any other advocacy groups that most of the work they do is not for themselves. Uh, and you look down the line, it's like I'm certain group of workers is fighting for better contracts for themselves or certain companies fighting for better terms for themselves. We do most of our work fighting for the homeowners, the people we serve. And that is the, that's really the model that attracted me to servant leadership. Um, I'm also one who, if I see a mountain, I like to climb it. Um, and I felt that I could give back. Teddy Roosevelt talked about everyone owes a measure of their their time and their wealth to the industry that provided them the opportunity to succeed. And I felt like I, I owed it to others to give back if I had anything to give. So talk about your leadership journey. Yeah. Where'd you start? And I know you're doing a lot on the national level now and you're a former past Oregon Realtors president, but talk about your leadership trajectory. Yeah. Uh, so I, my, I guess you'd say my first leadership opportunity came in the YPN, the Young Professionals Network. And I, I got to chair that when Portland opened up a chapter of that and it was new and exciting. And we, I remember the first meeting and building it and inviting anyone I could think of and saying, what can we do? How can we make this industry better? You know, adding energy. It's so fun when people, I used to think of myself, Jenny, as, as the young buck, but I don't have time in this business. Uh, You're still the young buck. Uh, uh, but that was a lot of fun. And uh, I was able to serve there with the other YPN folks. And then um, I moved in. I uh, was elected master circle president at Portland Realtors and then president of Portland Realtors. And I served as business issues chair at Oregon Realtors and then president of Oregon Realtors. And then I've served on various RPAC committees at the national level. And now I get to vice chair this year, uh, RPAC trustees fundraising, and we'll get to be the chair of that wonderful group in 2025. So that's somewhat the journey. What's your next stop? What do you want to do next? What do I want to do leadership, next? Leadership, volunteer leadership. Oh, I don't guys. know. I mean, I don't have like a board of, uh, hey, I'd like to do this. Part of it is try to serve. Uh, I don't know. I, everyone looks when you, when you, I'm very forward looking in my mindset. Uh, it's part of my personality. However, I try to ground myself that let's do the best in where we are and not try to, I think it diminishes the people you're serving with 
um, when you are thinking, where am I going to go with this or where did this lead? That's not why you should do anything. And people, I've seen people do that. Not many, most try to give it their all. And I'm super proud of the time I spent at, at Portland as their president, at Oregon Realtors as their president. I tried to, to use a sports analogy. I tried to leave my all on the field and I do feel like I did that. So be mindful. Think yeah. about what you're doing right now. Correct. Not what you're going to do. Yeah, don't be, don't be eyeing, hey, I'd yeah. like to do this. Because uh, yeah. you only get to be where you are once, whether it's, you know, if it's the janitor or it's the president of the United States, how can I do my best within the role that I'm given? Yeah. Bloom where you're planted, I suppose. Well, you've done pretty darn good. No, thanks. So let's talk about personal branding. Yeah. Um, I'm assuming for you, starting back when you started in the business, mm -hmm. The importance of a personal brand yeah. is at the forefront of everything you do because then you became the Drew Coleman team, which is your own personal brand. Mm -hmm. Talk about the importance of it and why it's important. You mentioned your core values at yeah. the beginning, yeah. how you tie in your company core values into your branding. Sure. Uh, great question. So really branding, branding, I think people think of it. when you say branding, probably the first thing that comes into the public's mind is a logo or a motto or something like that. However, branding is really everything that you present, who you are, how you pay attention to people, how you serve them, what physical manifestations of how you do your work are, such as a swoosh or a Drew Coleman logo with a little you know, street sign behind it uh, or a Pepsi Cola. But it all ties into the experience, right? Some, a company can have amazing branding um, but doesn't provide a great level of service. And it's very quick. You know, it's, what do they say? It takes a lifetime to cultivate a, uh, a reputation and only a few seconds to destroy it. Um, you got to be very, very careful. I think everything you do should come into your brand and who you are. And Gary Vee talks a lot about time on brand. It's not necessarily only the brand, but how do I get people to interact with uh, my brand all the time? How do I make them see it and be top of mind? Because we live in an attention economy now. It's beyond, you know, we, we've lived in a price economy and that was, was, this was like the Walmart heyday. And then we've moved to a uh, convenience economy where that's an Amazon heyday. And now we're almost moving two steps beyond that where it's an attention economy. It's like, well, oh, this is interesting to me. I'm going to spend time here and then I want whatever it is promising or promoting to be delivered to me in a convenient factor and price becomes the third wheel of that. So it's really fascinating to do it. So you've got to be in front of the consumer. I'm sorry, I'm riffing, but one, no, little, one more thing on this is people expect, you know, what is the statistic, Jenny? You, this is thrown around in real estate circles all the time, but uh, people, 80 some percent of people say they'd work with their realtor again, but only 20% or some do. Well, there's two factors that go into that. One, 87% of realtors are out of the business in five years, and people are generally in a house for 10 now. <laughs> so the odds are 87% that that realtor's out of the business is one. And two, people's life changes so much. Uh, 10 years is a long, long time between transactions. And we expect people to remember us. You did such a phenomenal job. Well, you might have, but uh, you know, 50% of marriages end in divorce. 
And those, those marriages last seven years. So you're expecting people to love you so much more that they're going to keep you more than, longer than they kept their spouse. <laughs> uh, that's not the way that it works. Yeah. You've got to stay in front of them, whether it be Popeyes or interactions. And you cannot be only someone who sells them a house. You right. need to be an integral part of their home ownership process, whether it be referring, you know, they should think of you, Hey, I need, I should change my insurance on my house. I should be talking about that. I need a handyman. I should be talking about that. What are the greatest tips in remodeling? I need to make sure my house stays current to market. I should talk to my realtor, Sally, about that. So, so it's giving your customers current, past, things of value. Absolutely. Throughout your whole relationship, yeah. if you want to keep them. A hundred percent. As my friend Tommy Troy often says, you know, we treat these relationships are kind of like ATMs. And you can make a withdrawal from another person. However, if you try to make a withdrawal and you haven't made any deposits, there's nothing there. We need to be depositing, 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 something of value, being there for them in an important moment, remembering their birthday, inviting them to something, you know, really being a positive force in their life. And then once in a while, you may request a deposit. Hey, can you please refer me some business? I would really love to help someone that's like you. You've been so pleasurable to work with. Uh, if you feel like I provide a great level of service, do you feel like anyone else comes to mind that, uh, who do you feel comes to mind that would benefit from that level of service? So what do you do when you're doing your follow-ups yeah. and your consistent contacts and you have a past client or not even a client, someone yeah. you're trying to get business from? And I say, Drew, no can do. Okay. I'm going down the street. I don't want to work with you. Huh. Interesting. Uh, well, so if <laughs> doesn't happen too often, I but, I, not, I, I, but I appreciate you asking the question. Overcoming uh, objections I, is an important part of being yeah. successful in the business, right? And I, the, one of the best things, this is, I, I read a lot. I absorb a lot of content. One thing that I would say to people is a good real estate professional should be a lot, should be able to jump into improv comedy like that. It's because everything should be a yes. And if you say no to something immediately, it shuts down a conversation. I'm going to go to someone else. Yes. And I'd like to hear a little bit more about why that would be because we don't fit. We don't fail in our business. We either win or we learn. So it sounds like this is a learning opportunity, Jenny. What, what could I have done to earn your business in this situation? Wow. Yeah. True. Well done. Yeah. And I'm sure, I mean, probably you're not going to get it back, but let's be honest. Everyone falls short at times. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, and you have to own it. Yeah. And what about the times? And I know we're getting off the branding discussion, but some yeah. of your responses are listening more thoughts for me. What about the customers that maybe you haven't been in touch with, mm -hmm. but you later learn they purchased a house mm -hmm. or sold their house with someone else? Mm -hmm. Will you follow up with that customer again? Or do you just say, mm, we didn't get them? Sure. So. You should always follow up because I, I've had, I've had that happen many times, not many times, but enough times where they worked with us, they worked with someone else. Um, they, come back and work with us a third time. Now you don't want to lose them the second time. Sometimes that's going to happen though. Um, people, you know, we're, we're, people are more nomadic in their allegiances these days, especially that's younger. That's a polite gen. way of saying not loyal. <laughs> I like it. Yeah. So, yeah. so, um, that may happen, but they may circle back. Uh, I've seen that with agents. I've seen that with the grass, you know, everyone's promising to see the moon and the stars when they're trying to sell someone something. But sure. what makes me most happy is when a client or when an agent that works with us says, holy cow, you under promised, you over delivered. I didn't realize 
a lot of times what we sell and what the actual value is in any business are two different things because one is a puppet show that gets people in the door and the other is the actual value. Um, so when they see the actual value and that resonates with them, that's amazing. So, uh, yes, you should always follow up getting back to your question, long answer to a short question. Yeah, absolutely. Reconnect because if you flew, if you fell out of flow with them, you absolutely have an opportunity to get back into flow. Thank you. So when you were working on your branding mm -hmm. and the importance of keeping it consistent, mm -hmm. so people remember like other mm -hmm. logos that mm -hmm. people remember, I think you referenced the swoosh. Did you use vision boards? What do you think of vision boards? Does that help? For as far as creating a brand? Yes. Yeah. There's a rule of thumb in if you own a bunch of investment properties and people are often, should I put them all in LLCs and should, how should I create all this? You're like, how, am I, how are you answering my question? I'm getting there. Wait till you have something. At some point, you've got to wait till you have something to protect before you worry about protecting it, right? I mean, if you haven't sold any houses, your company's branding is probably darn good enough, right? Now, after you start reaching some success, hey, if you're in the top 30% of your company or of agents in general, then it's time to start thinking about building a brand. Because if you have momentum, uh, you want people to think of you. And let's be honest, the days of the brokerage controlling the lion's share of the attention are over, people think of agents. I can think of a number of agents and I have to think extra hard about what company they're at. And that's why we've set up our systems to kind of support the agents and not you know, steal the limelight from them. Um, so when you think about branding, uh, if you're talking about a vision board or something else, yeah, talk about who you are. It should resonate and sound true. Don't, I wouldn't make it as who do I wanna be as much as who am I? What do I like to do? Because there's clients everywhere that will share your passions, whether it's law or 49er football or dogs or walking or travel. That's what if I was doing a Jenny Pakula vision board, that's what I would do. And I would try to make my brand around that. If I was doing a Drew vision board, I would probably do um, sports and family and uh, RVing and uh, wealth mastery and things like that and attract people that are similarly on your brand. How many agents do you have in your company? We have about 50. So as far as branding for your agents, yeah. do you, you let them do, I mean, how much of the opt branding mm -hmm. do they have to tie into their own personal brand? As little or as much as they want. Now, some things come to us as a company, some of our opportunities. Um, and so we use that to collect and, and assist. But my vision over time is one of the core values when we built the company was people will tell you what they want. They vote with their feet and they vote with what they're doing. And a lot of agents would land at a brokerage and then have to immediately go outside to find mentorship, to find opportunities, to find leadership, to find coaching, to find other people that have been successful. It's like, well, why shouldn't a company provide those things? It's great that you can go. I, I often use the analogy of you can go find a, strip mall that's completely vacant and you can start your own chicken sandwich shop and start your own branding. However, it's a lot easier to get a Chick-fil-A or a Dave's Hot Chicken franchise and brand and immediately be up and running and, and take that value. Um, that's what we try to provide. There's Now, if people want to do it the other way, we provide an avenue for that as well. But it's weird to me, brokerage charges X and then they spend five X with the brokerage charges trying to go outside for coaching and leads and opportunities and other things. 
why can't we give them what they're actually wanting instead of what the lowest common denominator dictates? So your philosophy is some companies only want experienced agents. You're willing to take them from the ground up and train them up. Uh, we are, uh, with some exceptions. I mean, I have to think that the yeah. person, I want to have the person to have top producer chops that I think they can absolutely arrive. And let's be honest, it's hard to make it in real estate. Again, 87% of people are out of the business in three to five years. 75% uh, of people wash out of buds training in the Navy SEALs. So it is harder to be a real estate professional than it is to be a Navy SEAL. Uh, we need to be honest about that. It's too many brokerages sell. Oh my gosh. And the reason people get into real estate is wrong. If we want to be honest about it, I love houses. I want a lot of free time. I like flexibility, but guess what? You don't get those things. If you're going to be successful, you get to work when the client wants you to work. Now you can move within that. I've never missed one of my kids sporting games, but I often have to work from eight to 1130 at night after their games from six to 8 PM. So, of course, you've been in the business 20 years, yes. right? So you've been able to, to craft your business so you don't miss your, your And I think, I think anyone can do that yeah. is the most part. Most likely there's Set some the flexibility. Yeah, there's three, there's three A's that you need to have. You need to have affability, availability, and ability to be good at this business. And when you're newer, availability is your biggest key because you're, you're not as seasoned, you, you're not as uh, well-heeled in the business, but you should be able to at least be there and you better be spending time on growing business activities all the time. And I, people, we do a fair amount of lead generation and I don't care about it one way or another. It's just another way to get people going faster, which I care about. I care about supporting people, supporting realtors in their journey to be the best versions of themselves and to make this a career as soon as they can. And if that's a way they want to do it, great. But if you don't, wonderful. But you should be having coffees every day with people. You should be doing open houses all the time, or uh, you should be hosting equestrian events or whatever your niche is going to be. You can be spending time in real estate productive activities, not sitting around waiting. So for you, that is success. The, the great thing about this biz is that for somebody else, success can be treating it as a hobby. Now, you're not going to probably be a top producer if it, you're yeah. waiting for the phone to ring or it's just a hobby. Yeah. You got to work. You treat it as a career. That's true. I suppose that's, that's very true. And I think my definition of success would be whatever the individual deems success yeah. is. Um, I, I guess. But Michael I think you're right about that people got in the business because it's easy. I like houses. Yeah. Surprise. Yeah. It's yeah. not. And with the changes coming down the pike, I don't think those uh, people, that's going to be harder and harder for them, whether uh, as we see what the result of changing models and potential lawsuit outcomes leads to, that's going to be harder. Uh, you know, and Michael Jordan said it very well, right? I mean, winning has a cost. Leadership has a cost. If you want to be really, really good at something, you you have to push people. You have to sometimes pull people where they don't want to be pulled. But I've always been willing to run through the steps and never tell someone something that I'm not willing to do, which has us work hard. I'm definitely someone who holds myself to a very, very mm -hmm. high standard. If I see a mountain, I want to climb it. I mean, Nick Saban said we can be five things in life, right? We can be poor. We can be average. We can be good, which is probably where most people with a little bit of talent will land 
or we can be excellent or we can be elite. And if you want to be excellent or elite, you have to do things differently and expect things different from yourself. And you have to be intentional with your time and you have to make sacrifices. And I've always wanted to do that. And I've wanted people who were going to come along with me on that journey. Growth requires getting out of your comfort zone. 100%. And I've grown a lot. I mean, I've had a lot of rough edges and sometimes you have to fight against your personality. Uh, For mine, it's maybe staying within the lines and continuing to be consistent. Uh, For others, it might be overcoming their fears of talking to people and actually getting out there. Um, For others, it might be taking the time to learn things, but you have to push yourself beyond your comfort zone to to be the version of yourself that's the most perfect version of you. Oh. Okay, back to branding. Yeah. Talk about social media channels and how you utilize them yeah. to showcase your brand. Um, we use social media. Social media has become its own animal. Um, in what way? In what way? Social media is really the, it's the lens into other people's lives. I mean, we're essentially... The Kardashians changed everything, right? I mean, we live, it's this voyeuristic society and then it's, okay, well, let's tap into that and show people this perfect version of ourselves. Um, And I think there's an opportunity for realness. Some of the content that does the best is just people doing their real life with less polish and less uh, production value. Um, Gosh, we could go into social media. I think it's important that, A, to remember it's social. And to remember that I think we all think about the content we need to put out and you, and we need to ignore that and or at least put it second to how we interact with other people. If you have clients on social media, if you do no posts whatsoever in a year, but every time they share something that's important to them, you're commenting, you're liking, you're direct messaging them, you're reposting, you could be very successful. I could have an Instagram profile that said, Sally Smith, and I'm a real estate professional, and I post nothing. I have no photo, but I like, comment, DM all my clients and all the friends, and you could be wildly successful through that channel. So I think the first thing is remembering everyone's favorite topic is themselves and and doing that. And then beyond that, uh, branding and curating yourself in a good way. I think we're going to double down on social. Again, I have mixed feelings about it. Uh, I think we need to realize it's the most curated version of what people show themselves, but it's also an amazing opportunity to capture their attention uh, and to show them how we do things. I think some of the best content I see out there is when you become a professional and an expert at something, you uh, it becomes second nature to you, but the real estate process is very mysterious to a lot of consumers. So talking about little steps of it, breaking it down, helping explain will be really value add rather than, hey, this is a cute outfit and I'm here in my gorgeous listing, etc. So how often do you post? Do you believe in daily posts? Twice a day? Is your primary channel Instagram, Facebook, TikTok, all of the above? Yeah, I don't know that I'm the the best person to answer this. Um, I think it's important. I've kind of made my peace with it as far as my uh, the ups and downs. It's where people are. Uh, I think one of the things I adhere to is it's not it's not the number of likes. If that's your if that's your goal, that's not the way you should be approaching. It's the mo- most the amount of meaningful interactions and how it hits the right people that you're trying to target. That's the most important. How do you determine what's the meaningful interaction? Reactions that are actually, that lead to something else. 
likes or nothing. They're, they're scroll through, pass, double tap, whatever it might be on Facebook or TikTok or Instagram. Um, I think Instagram is a picture first or video, short video first type of medium. Uh, long form does better on YouTube. Facebook tends to skew older demographically. So curating your message to uh, who's going to be on there. And I think having a strategy for that wow. is, is extremely important. So you're a big analytics tech guy. Yeah. So on social media channels and everywhere you advertise, do you do a lot of analytics? Yes. Do you look at who's liking them? Who's commenting? Is it a certain demographic? Sure. Is it past clients? Sure. What yes. do you look for? All of the above. You, you, I think, again, it's the first thing is interactions that actually lead to meaningful conversations online that can come offline. That's the gold standard. Uh, it's not necessarily quantity, but quality. You're looking at A-B testing. That you're, you know, as you look at, you know, how many views, then you you drill down the funnel, how many, then how many click throughs and how many click for more information, how many actually interacted offline. You check your funnel and see how that's doing and where you might lose someone. Oh, gosh, people really seem to like this content, but they didn't want to click through. It means they weren't engaged. They did click through, but they're not wanting to do something. They, they have some problem with your landing page or what the ask is at that point. They've done that, but they don't respond when they've given their information. Well, maybe they really didn't want it or the hook wasn't good enough. So you can drill down and really do it. Now, I think every all content is social. Google is social now too, right? Everything. You should look at the analytic KPI lens regardless of the medium you're working. So when you do your analytics and yeah. determine there's meaningful interactions, what's yeah. your follow-up? Someone might come and say, wow, that's a cool listening at 123 Main Street. Yeah. Or, or that's a really fabulous remodeling tip. What do you do with that? Yeah. If you see some what you determine as a meaningful interaction. Well, retargeting probably is the gold standard as far as that goes. So then you want to hit that individual with a subset of your branding that maybe is for someone who showed interest and you're only ta targeting people who have either commented, liked, or shared some of your posts at that point uh, and hitting them back with a retargeting that's a little bit more because maybe that's a somewhat of a pre-hand raise to I might be interested in real estate. Definitely want to respond to the comment. Um Back to systems yeah. and process. Again, nerding out, yeah. So do you have, within your brokerage, do you have a team that focuses on that and provides Our marketing you? team uh, spends time, our social media and marketing team spend time doing do that. Do they do that for all your agents or is everyone Well, it's so, social to, media is, is personal. Person. It's pretty, it, there's some things you can do to corporatize it, but a lot of it has to be done on the individual level, yeah. There's some agents out there that are really doubling down on that. It's a long-term play, right? It's like giant timber bamboo. You're not going to see the fruit of it immediately. It takes years of watering before it can really go. And it grows like a weed. It can once it goes there. It's yeah. under the house. Yeah. Roots. And that's not the only way to get business, right? I mean, uh, I think it'll become more and more as the younger demographic continues to enter peak home root settling type of age. So... For new agents getting into the business yep. in season, yep. how important? What, what do you? What, what's the directive you give them regarding messaging and branding mm -hmm. and selling yourself? First, take a good hard look at who you actually are, uh, who the best version of yourself is, and who that might appeal to. To find your core niche audience, I think it's okay to be aspirational. Um, some of the agents um, that we're blessed to partner with at Opt. Uh, have a bent for construction or land, or we have 
one who's done a lot of flips and he owns a lot of properties himself and creative financing and things like that. I think that's wonderful. Uh, luxury, absolutely. We've got some people growing in luxury that I think three years from now will be amazing in that space. Um, but then also, if you're newer, build a brand around that. Be thinking about where you want to go aspirationally and spend. We've got to do business, <laughs> do some business, and then get more and more choosy as you're able to move towards that. Always be focused here, but be willing to do business here. If you say, if you're brand new to the business and say, hey, I only want to do $10 million houses on Lake Oswego, well, join the club. Mm -hmm. uh, you've got to build to that. Diversify. Area. Correct. And I think, and continue to tighten your scope over time. And I've seen agents who have done that to a very good degree. And that I'm always looking here. This is where I like to be. I want to be the farm and ranch specialist. I want to be the condo queen. I want to be the, you know, the Damascus luxury property expert, whatever that might be. Start here and narrow your focus. But at first, you got to build a platform, right? Because you can't survive on uh, the average agent makes something like negative $20,000 the first year because they've taken on a ton of expenses. They may not sell anything. You can see why you get this 87% fallout rate. And you've got to be able to set a vision for yourself uh, before you have all the tools to do it. It's like Kennedy's moon speech, right? He said, well, we're going to safely send a man to the moon and land him and bring him back at home. Well, we had about 5% of the technology we needed as a country to do that. But he set a vision and building towards that vision, the, the what was more important to the how. You establish a what, you get people inspired behind it, and then you work towards that goal. And that's, that's the kind of stuff that gets me fired up, that moves the needle. So when you have new agents or potential new licensees yeah. come into the business and talk to you, because you're experienced, you know a lot of people, yeah. and they say, hey, Drew, I'm excited to get into real estate because it's easy and I can sell a couple houses here and make plenty of money. Mm -hmm. Do you set it up realistically for them? Oh, sure. Come on in the biz. No problem. We, no. I, I, did I make that mistake a couple of times when we started our brokerage? Yes. Uh, and those are a few of the people we've parted ways with. And some people are actually good at it and still don't want to do the work. They're like, I realize what it takes. And now, gosh, grass seems greener over here and my life's going to be easier. And you see this production dip and them thinking about getting another job or trying to get into management at the company or recruiting, which is ironic. Um, so I've gotten away from that. One of the great places that we've landed in success at Opt is people who really have that hunger, but didn't have as many opportunities. Uh, maybe they went to a brokerage, brokerage XYZ and brokerage ABC before they land at OPT. So um, that's fun because they have a frame of reference. So it does help to get agents that are a little more experienced because they know. Well, what's the joke That's in real estate? Compare it to. Yeah, exactly. What's the joke in real estate? It's best to be the first love, second spouse, and third realtor, right? Because they, the, the client's been through it with a few other realtors and you can actually shine because they have a point of context. Same with, you never forget your first love, of of course. But You're uh, the king of quotes. Thank you. And you remember all these oh, fun little ditties. These fun little ditties. Wow. Uh, so, I mean, I think that's somewhat true as a brokerage too, where it's like, uh, they don't know what they don't know. You know, I'm sure Claudia Schiffer's high school boyfriend didn't really know what he had until, you know, he had to get out there and said, you know, I had it pretty good for a while. <sighs> the grass always looks greener. Every, and that's right. human nature. Yeah. All right. So, Drew. Yes. With all of the external pressures, yes. both from the industry association yes. and interest rates and low inventory. Yeah. 
Is the future bright if you're in this business? Well, the future is absolutely bright. I mean, I'm, I look back and the hardship 22 and 23 have been hard. I mean, there's a lot of long faces uh, in this industry over the last two years with interest rates and lawsuits and potential changes, but those who really do elite things are challenged life. The only thing you're guaranteed is challenges. And if you can become better and let your skin get thicker and accomplish more and learn how to really serve the customer in a better way, there's always going to be room for those who are elite at something. Uh, well, some of the average and maybe even some of the poor and good for sure, the poor and some of the average and good be washed out in the next few years. It could be, but I'm just excited to focus on, improving, doing things better and providing the best level of service that we can. Every challenge provides an yeah, opportunity. Yeah. There are always people buying and selling, no matter what the market looks like, 100%. right? Depends how you treat it. Yeah. Hobby, career, job. Mm -hmm. So one, one to wrap, I, you are really great at storytelling oh, and, and how important in branding and marketing for you personally and the brokerage, the storytelling. Um, it's very important and I think we need to get even better at it I, as AI is amazing. Um, and that seems like a random answer to a storytelling question, but a lot of rote tasks will be accomplished there. So it's going to be more onus on humans to be human and fill gaps that only human beings can do. And part of that is emotional connections and storytelling. I still remember a client that I had, probably one of the most memorable closings. And this woman, uh, we're sitting there at the closing and she says to me, Drew, I just want to let you know, I didn't share this with you, but I've been fighting a cancer battle. I was told that it could be fatal. I got a full bill of health remission here today and I'm owning my first home. These were people in their forties. It's not. And uh, I was in an abusive relationship. I never thought I'd get out of. Uh, my now husband is a minority, his family, no one in them had had ownership. So this is the biggest day of my life. And all these things came together. And I'm super grateful for that. And it's like, wow, I mean, you don't get that selling used cars. You really don't No, That's so, gratitude. Yeah. What we do is special. Impactful. Yeah. And it's not, yeah. it's not something we did above and beyond. I mean, credit to them for having all the wherewithal and guts and gumptions to be able to buy a house, but it's fun to be a part of that journey and yeah. sharing stories like that will be a key if someone wants to have success in the coming years. And it might have been you. Yeah. I mean, of course, buying a house may not have just been you, but pushing them over mm -hmm. the top could have been you and the experience you provided. 100%. Yeah, it's fun. Yeah. What a great honor to be able to help people like that. Well, thank you, Drew, for yeah. everything you do for the industry and the business. You are a leader professionally and in the volunteer world. And we always look to you for guidance oh, and how to do things right. It's, it's thank such you. an honor to work with you and your great staff and all of our volunteer leaders. So thank you. Thank you. Drew.